Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is 94 Feet and Beyond with your host, Sam Berg. We've got your boy, Joe Martinez, on the Anchor Podcast Performance Line. Always a familiar voice on the show. Joe Martinez here to talk a little bracketology today. Um, here on a selection Sunday, a big day um, in the NCAA for basketball and a huge win for our Texas Longhorns yesterday. First time Big 12 championship um, winners of the conference championship and a huge uh, marquee win for head coach Shaka Smart who was allegedly on the hot seat last year for the Horns, who had accomplished little to nothing in his tenure. Um, really looking to see what these guys can put together in the big tournament under Shaka Smart. I don't believe they've actually won a tournament game, maybe gotten out of the first round once under his watch. This is their third time making it into the big dance under head coach Shaka Smart. Joe, um, your initial thoughts um, after this huge win for the Longhorns yesterday in the tournament championship? Oh, you know, I uh, really look forward to seeing, uh, you know, this Longhorn team hitting their stride. And we saw a lot of Andrew Jones, Jackson, and – uh, Kai, uh, Kai Jones also and you know the Twin Towers down low I think they're going to pick up some steam and really be the difference out in the east part of the bracket I really have the Longhorns really going to the third round and possibly even the fourth before eventually getting knocked out but as you well know Sam and much like any other college basketball enthusiast anything's possible you had uh, a few years ago uh, Sister Jean and uh Loyola Chicago just go all the way to the what was it, the final four the sweet 16 or elite eight I can't remember but I mean any of any type of the any types of these runs are totally possible I mean you look at the west bracket and Gonzaga can get knocked out by Oklahoma in the second round so really the Longhorns are catching stride again and getting hot at the right time yeah you know kind of something similar that we saw from the horns last season. Um, you know, they started off kind of slow and we're starting to pick up stride, um, as they went on towards the end of the year. And, you know, I think it was really the reason that Shaka retained his job was kind of the unknown because they were supposed to play Texas tech in the conference tournament last year. And, you know, they were actually out there warming up when they came out on the court and told them that they were shutting everything down. Um, so really the unknown of what those guys could have done last year in the tournament, I think is ultimately why Shaka Smart got to stay on. Um, but, you know, traditionally Texas, even under head coach Rick Barnes, um, have struggled in the big dance, you know, with a second round exit with uh, – Kevin Durant as a freshman and some of these other stacked teams that they've had over the years. Um, it's hard to remember a time when they've made a deep run 
Um, I think maybe in the earlier 2000s, late, uh, maybe 2009, 2008, they got to like Sweet 16 or Elite 8 with that St. August or uh, DJ Augustine team and AJ Abrams um, all those years ago. But it's been a very long time since these horns have made a deep run in the postseason. Um, and. <laughs> You know, we'll have to see how they do this year. I really hope that they do um, better than they traditionally have. But it's a little bit scary knowing that, you know, their recent history hasn't been great. Um, But like you said, looking at the uh, brackets with Abilene Christian being their first round opponent um, should be an easy win for them. But, you know, they'll play up some and then possibly playing uh, UCLA or B- or BYU in the second round um, could be a tough matchup for them. And then, you know, ultimately having to play that hot Alabama team that just won the SEC um, championship game. Um, you, just, you just never know. There's always so many upsets. Um, in these tournaments, Joe, it's hard to say, but we really do hope for the best for these guys, and they seem like they're playing their best basketball right now. Um, looking over here in the West, Joe, um, Gonzaga is going to be your one seed over there, and you had mentioned earlier that if Oklahoma can get to the second round, um they could possibly knock Gonzaga off. Um, and then you've got Creighton as a five seed. Um, your four seed, Virginia, is a very good four seed. Um, I've heard some good things about USC this season as well. Um, and then you've got Kansas as a three seed. And then Iowa with big Luca Garza um, as your two seed. Joe, your thoughts about that West bracket? Oh, man, I think that's going to be the toughest bracket. And honestly, whoever wins the West might end up coming out, assuming that it is a top team. Whoever wins the West, I think they have a shot at going all the way and probably playing, I would say, Baylor, honestly. Yeah, let's uh, see what's over here on this one. Um, also that Baylor is, you know, they're not the sluggish Baylor that we saw against Oklahoma State. I was honestly really surprised that Oklahoma State even got that upset on them. Yeah, uh, you know, Baylor did struggle some with some COVID stuff um, kind of towards the end of the year that kind of set them back a little bit. Um, they had that loss to Kansas and then um, started picking up momentum again. But uh, Oklahoma State is not to be overlooked with uh, Caleb Boone and, uh, you know, Big Kate Cunningham, who's going to be your number one draft pick in this year's NBA draft. So, yeah, if you have any kind of off night against them, you're probably done. But – that Baylor team is very well-rounded. 
um, essentially the team that you saw from a year ago that was, um, you know, on the brink of winning the Big 12 regular season championship. Um, you know, I was at the game when they played Kansas at home and they ended up losing by three, I think. Um, and that was really the last straw for them to be able to win that um, conference. And then, of course, we didn't get to play the conference tournament and what they may or may not could have done in the uh, big tournament. So, yeah, they are a very uh, well-rounded team, a team that's deep and built for a good run um, in this postseason. And they have been battle-tested in a very tough Big 12 conference. So, yeah, you could be right. Um, Their number two seed is that good Ohio State team um, who lost today. Um, And, you know, they um, were down 16 and ended up taking the lead on Illinois today in the championship game and came up just short. Um, looking at the rest of the, uh, of the Baylor bracket in the South, um, they could potentially play North Carolina in the second round, who is a very experienced team, um, with a very experienced head coach, um, at the helm, which could be a tough out in the second round, um, And then Purdue, I've heard, has been playing some good ball at the four seed. And then Texas Tech can get hot um, with the shooting of Matt McClung. And then Arkansas is their number three. Florida is the number seven. Um, And then the other, the lower seeded teams are even pretty good. So, and then you have Villanova as well at the five seed. Yeah, I mean, they're always a threat to make a good run in the tournament. And, um, you know, they just really got unfortunate and ended up losing their uh, Big East uh, tournament early to uh, Georgetown and Patrick Ewing. Um, These boys up in Georgetown were playing some really good ball in the Big East tournament and ended up winning the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, Villanova is not to be overlooked here with their first-round matchup against 12-seed Winthorpe. Um, Joe, any more thoughts about this South bracket? Ah, oh, man, you know, it's really the – what we could see is a clash between the West and the South, and I have to agree. I would give the North Carolina and Villanova the edge on all of these teams just purely out of coaching experience. You know, these coaches have coached some of the biggest games that we've come to know and love. I mean, any great coach can shut down a game plan, you know, and any great coach can draw up a game plan. It's really how the players are going to execute it and for the most part these teams barring any covid you know uh any covid impact i'm sure they'd be a lot higher than a number eight north carolina team and a number five seed uh villanova team i'm sure they would be in the probably the top three and i'm sure they'd be ranked really high nationally at, 
And unfortunately, you know, with the circumstances of COVID, everybody's kind of taking a hit here and there. I mean, you know, going back to the Longhorns, they were red hot in the conference and just in general, big number three in the country. And COVID hits them and they lose their stride, but they picked it back up right when right when it counted and when it mattered most. So Texas isn't a team to get overlooked. I mean, I think a lot of people get caught up in that they struggled, but if you're from if you're from the outside looking in, you don't realize that this ball team is really good. And even those players that had to step up and play and probably burn a year of eligibility, I mean, they showed promise. It's not like they were getting blown out by West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Yeah, I mean, like, just like every other year, you know, it's uh, it's anybody's ball game, you know. Any any given night, you know, can be your night where your team is hitting on all cylinders, and um, that's what makes this tournament so exciting and uh, so fun to watch every year is just there's so much unknown especially in these early rounds with some of these teams that you've never even heard of that end up knocking off the big dogs just because it's a single elimination game. Um, you know, anybody can get hot for one game, right? I mean, you can a, – a couple of the guards start hitting every fucking three that they shoot, then, you know, you could be in trouble if you're having an off night. Oh, I mean, perfect example is Matt Coleman. I mean, career high, what, 30, 31 points? I yeah, mean, he, you know, going back to the Big 12 championship game, uh, Matt Coleman got, you know, super hot. You know, we've seen him get into the 20s, of, you know, a, a few times in his career. He usually scores in the teens. Um, and then big Jericho Sims, the seniors really stepped up for the Horns. Um, probably Jericho's best game of his career. Uh, it was a career high point total for him and uh, uh, Matt Coleman. So the seniors really stepped up when they needed to, uh, even when, you know, Cade Cunningham was knocking down um, all kinds of threes there at the end, falling away and getting fouled and still knocking them down. They were still able to hold them off. Because they finally, as a team, have been able to shoot well at the three throw line after so many years of not being able to do so. No, I, I agree. I think that's going to be. There's one thing that's going to hold that team back in the conference, uh, in the tournament, in the big dance. It's really going to be their free throw shooting, and I think teams are going to key up on that, especially if the Horns are taking a slim lead into. Uh, under two minutes, I mean, I wouldn't – don't be surprised if they start hacking them and forcing them to win the game at the line. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when they have Jericho Sims out on the floor, he's a 50% shooter at the line. Um, a very good defensive presence, obviously, down low to protect the rim, but He's also a liability to where they are having to sub him in and out last night because he can't knock down three throws consistently. So that could be something to watch for um, for the Horns, but they do need his defensive presence, especially with some of the bigger teams that they'll play. Um, 
and the emergence of Kai Jones and Greg Brown, the freshman, um, was really a huge pickup for uh, the Horns last night as well. And then throughout the season, just um, the guard play from Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, and uh, Matt Coleman has been basically sensational for most of the season. Of course, there's been some nights where they haven't been hitting threes and they've been off. You have those nights, but, um, you know, these forwards that Texas has brought in um, with Kai Jones and Greg Brown have really been able to step up in big moments from time to time. So that could be a key um for Texas's success from what they've had up to this point in this season is those forwards and Jericho Sims stepping up as a senior at the center position. Now I will say that what will propel Texas to the next level as far as conference play is they need to shoot at least, I would say 42 to 45% at the three point shot. I mean, they were only seven of eighteen last night, and not very good for for a team that shoots up a lot of threes in volume. They just don't seem to knock them down very often. But if they can hover around the forty-two to forty-five area, I think they'll have a shot at you know taking down a lot of these uh, bigger name teams in the conference. Yeah, I mean, another traditionally, you know, under Shaka Smart. They've been a bad offensive team. Um, the offense um, the past five seasons has not been great. Um, it does help them in the three-point shooting department that Jace Febris got healthy um, towards the end of the season. He's basically a knockdown three-point shooter that they haven't had for a lot of the year. Um, and then... Uh, Andrew Jones has been hitting threes at a pretty high clip. Um, Coleman is a kind of an up-and-down three-point shooter. Ramey's kind of the same way. Um, and then Kai Jones and Greg Brown can kind of spread the floor here and there. But, yeah, high, you know, they do shoot a pretty high volume of uh, three-point shots. Um and typically they aren't hitting them at a at a very high clip, like you said. So if they can get hot from the three-point line and get to the rim, get some inside-out play um, by penetrating the lane and kicking to threes that are more open, um, that could help them out. Um, so they've just they've got to play smart on offense, of course. Um, they can't you know, have a whole lot of turnovers or they'll lose games or they'll lose the game that they do so. So they've got to take care of the ball for sure, um, get some inside-out penetration and move the ball well. And the players need to be moving around on offense and not get stagnant and stand around like we've been accustomed to seeing them do in the previous seasons. So... Um, moving on from the horns over to the Midwest, Joe, you have the number one seed 
the Illinois Fighting Illini have made a return to the NCAA tournament, their first appearance since 2013, Joe, after beating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game today. Um, And then they could face off with uh, Loyola Chicago in the second round with Sister Jean. Um, They also have uh, a good five seed in Tennessee coached by none other than your old boy, Rick Barnes, Joe. Um, And then, you know, the four seed, Oklahoma State, is no easy out. And then West Virginia is a good team in the tournament. Um, I think you might have mispronounced their name. Uh, you mean Press Virginia? Oh, yeah, you've heard of them. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, a Big Tubby out there sitting on the stool. Okay. <laughs> um, and then you then you have uh, the University of Houston at the two seed, um, you know, under Calvin Sampson at head coach. Uh, these guys won the American Athletic Conference and um, they could make a deep run looking at their lower side of that bracket there. Um, Joe, your thoughts of the Midwest? Uh, you know, Sam, uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Uh, I really do think that we're going to have a Big 12 uh, Elite Eight on that side. I think Oklahoma and uh, West Virginia are going to end up in the Elite Eight facing off and possibly representing the Big 12. I mean, those two schools, they're no slouch. And we saw, you know, they're they are pretty battle-tested. I mean, the entire Big 12, for the most part, was ranked in the middle to upper half of the, uh, of the nation. So I really do think that those two teams are going to make noise. And I expect West Virginia to, you know, meet up with Houston eventually on that side and it'll be a tough battle but i think west virginia wins that game and i think oklahoma state you know as good as illinois is i think that they're the best uh team at least on that end of the midwest bracket i think they meet up in the elite eight rounds yeah you could be right i mean i think top to bottom this year um the big 12 was the toughest uh um conference in the nation, um, traditionally, you know, it's been, um, they've been up there, but you know, the ACC is usually, um, King or the big 10 does pretty well, but really the big 10 wasn't, I mean, I mean, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty stout, but you know, Ohio state, uh, Illinois, um, Iowa, I think is in there. Um, Outside of that, they're not, you know, well, I guess Michigan's a one seed. But, uh, you know, outside of those four, it's really, you know, not as tough, like top to bottom. Um, But um, looking at, I don't think we've talked about the East here yet. Um with number one seed Michigan, um, who could, you know, face off with the St. Barnaventure Barneys. 
in the second round. These these guys from St. Barnaventure, you, you may laugh, but the Bonnies are kind of a beast in the tournament, Joe. And then uh, Georgetown's in there at the 12 seed. Look for that in a 5-12 upset over Colorado. Um, Florida State's a four seed. Heard some pretty good things from them this year. Um, BYU at the six seed. Texas at three. UConn's always good in the tournament at a seven seed under Kevin Ollie. Um, and then the two seed in Alabama. I guess we talked a little bit about this area um, of the uh, bracket, just talking about Texas mostly. But uh, Michigan will be a tough out, but they could be upset by St. Barnaventure, Joe. And then, um, you know, you have Georgetown who could make a deep run. Um, Texas should be able to make some moves here. Um, their tough out is going to be against Alabama um, for their probably their toughest matchup that they'll get to. Um, looking at the, I guess, Sweet 16 is when they would play them. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on this East bracket? Yeah, I mean, I, I, have, uh, I have Michigan at least going to the Sweet 16 and Probably getting upset by uh, honestly Georgetown. I think Georgetown's going to go to the Elite Eight. I think the way that they've been playing as of late, they're hitting their stride. And you know, Patrick Ewing. I I want to say he's new to the coaching business, but I mean, he was a professional athlete and a Hall of Famer at that. And I'm sure he's going to have his team ready to go. I mean, you know, as we said before earlier on the show, a lot of these lower seed teams they're no slouch they're in the mm-hmm. tournament for it's one game those are the teams that everybody counts out so they always throw the chip on their shoulder and for whatever reason these top ranked seeded teams they like to take a back seat and kind of overlook and just you know look past these teams but i don't think that's the case and you know i wouldn't be surprised if alabama gets upset by uconn either and I expect Texas, you know, to steamroll through these teams, unlike previous years where they were a heavy favorite and they were losing to a number 14, number 13 seeded teams. I expect Texas to meet up with UConn. Uh, and I would say, what well, is it, the Sweet Six? Yeah, the Sweet 16 and probably play the Hoyas and um, in the Elite Eight. But I, I don't know if uh, – I think if Texas gets on that roll – it's going to be a very tough challenge for uh, Chaka Smart to keep these guys composed and within themselves. You know, this is uncharted territory getting past the first round as it is. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely for the guys on the horns. Uh, but Chaka Smart himself has been here before with those VCU teams, um, had a couple trips um, I think he made it once to the Final Four, a couple to the Elite Eight. Um, so, uh, Shaka Smart does have experience in the tournament, not with Texas per se, but he does have some. He has had some success um, with some deep postseason runs, so maybe he can tap into that um, to keep these guys going. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you were saying, they over. 
they oftentimes will overlook these these uh you know uh other you know higher seated teams but you've got to remember even you know these low you know these higher seated teams were conference champions a lot of the time um a lot of these smaller bid teams like St. Barnavitcher and um you know, Abilene Christian and Iona and Hartford and Winthorpe, they don't get into this tournament unless they win their conference. Um, so they, they're no slouch teams, like you said. Like, they've been playing at a high clip all year, and they may not get the same kind of media coverage as the Longhorns do, um, or, you know, some of these bigger name teams, but that doesn't mean they haven't been playing well. So that's a, a point that I think a lot of these, um, especially, you know, how college basketball is now, there's, you don't have a whole lot of upperclassmen on the teams. It's a lot of these guys that, you know, come in and do one and done or two years, maybe three years, um, so they're still young guys. They're going to under underestimate, um, some of these higher seated teams, um, and think that they're better than them right off the bat, like you said, but these teams that are in the tournament are in there for a reason. Oh yeah. And to piggyback off what you said, Sam, really what, what these smaller covered teams have in their advantage, like you said, they're not like these huge media giants like the Longhorns, Villanova, the Michigans, you know. Their players aren't leaving to the league after one or two years. These guys are staying for their four years. Their, I mean, their chemistry is through the fact they were never good or it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's that, like you said, only their hometown fans are going to know, like, hey, these are what this is what these guys are capable of. These are the kinds of plays that they make day in, day out, and it's because they have that chemistry and that trust. That coach knows how to tap into the talent of those players because they're there for so long. So I think that's the advantage that a lot of these uh, higher-seeded teams have over, you know, Michigan, Texas, Oklahoma, and whatnot. You know, these, these guys, they stay together all four years, and those younger guys that they're recruiting, they're learning from them and they're playing all four of their years. So that's why these, you know, these higher seeded teams are always in it. The same ones seem to always be in the tournament. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, with these smaller teams, like you said, a lot of these teams are going to have four year guys. Um, pretty much all of them are going to have, a healthy amount of seniors on the roster. So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge, huge advantage over a team, um, you know, like Alabama who may not have a lot of seniors or Michigan or, um, you know, even Kansas, somebody, you know, these teams that get all these one and dones. So, yeah, that's a, it's a huge advantage. Um, before we move on to our SCAC segment, Joe, um, quick pick on who you think just off the top is going to win this whole thing. 
I think Gonzaga, honestly, I think they're going to be the first number one team in a very long time to go undefeated and win the tournament, barring any COVID-19 protocols. Yeah, that's a big if, I guess. Uh, we've already seen Madam COVID take out a few teams. Um, that's a They're always a solid team. They always make deep runs, even if, you know back when they weren't. Um, so highly ranked, you know, back 10 years ago, they were making these deep runs, but they were the 16 seed and stuff. And that's how they made a name for themselves. Um, so that's a pretty good prediction. Um, I don't know. I just, I have pretty good feelings about this Baylor team. Um, I think they're a deep team. Um, they may have, they, they're regular season, big 12 champions. They may not be conference tournament champions, um, but I think they're, they'll figure it out under head coach Scott Drew and, uh, make a good run and hopefully win the whole thing. So we'll see how they do, but, uh, moving on to our SCAC, um, segment here, Joe, just a quick update on this here. Um, you know, in the first weekend, it was uh, Centenary who beat Texas Lutheran 62-59, to and then St. Thomas beat the University of Dallas 84-76, to and then Austin College uh, beat Southwestern 84-72, to and then rounding out the weekend, our Shriner Mountaineers lost to Jimmy Smith and the Trinity Tigers 84-81, to in a tight contest between the number one seeded Tigers and the number eight seeded Mountaineers. Um, You know, tough to see. I watched the second half. They really kept up with those guys um, really for 36 minutes. And the last four minutes, they kind of fell apart, Joe. Uh, They started committing some turnovers um, taking some ill-advised shots, had some defensive mishaps, and missed a lot of three throws down the stretch. Um, hoping to bring on uh, head coach, Coach Rock, that's Marwan L. Rocka Bowie, um, for a season-closing uh, wrap-up show to start off our Coach's Corner segments um, on the show where we go through and – uh, do some interviews of these uh, coaches that are um, accessible to us in the SCAC conference, which I do know many of them. So hopefully that'll be a good new segment for us. Um, this weekend, St. Thomas um, ended up beating Centenary, home of your ladies and gents, Joe, um, 67-58, to and it was the Trinity Tigers' winning 80 to 68 over the Austin College Ruse. The SCAC men's championship game is set for uh, March 21st. That's next Sunday at 4 p.m. It's going to be the Trinity Tigers versus the St. Thomas for the SCAC championship this year. Um, should be a good game by the looks of the stat boxes. Um, Joe, any thoughts on um, the SCAC conference uh, from this season? I mean, the, I mean, I've, I've always, you know, since our time at Shriner, 
SCAC, the SCAC conference uh, tournament has always been really exhilarating. You know, you get the best out of all these young guys, D3, you know, they don't get that much coverage, but, you know, from our time there, we've always seen really good games out of Trinity, Southwest, all these schools. And, you know, I, I wish that, you know, these guys could have experienced, especially the seniors that may not have made, had this like deep run, you know, I they would have ex- could have had that chance to experience the, uh, the full gyms that you and I have been a part of where there's just people crowded and bunched up and, you know, in those small arenas, and it was always a good time. I'm sure, I'm sure those seniors really would have appreciated it. And unfortunately, you know, COVID took away a lot from them. And you know, congrats to to you know all the teams that made it and that were able to stay healthy throughout the season for the most part and you know compete. You know, that's all you can wish for for these guys, especially the seniors who don't have that luxury of coming back after their four years are done. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Coach E has to say um, from his perspective um, of the season. And, uh, you know, of course, they only played, um, I think, about maybe 10 games. Um, So, you know, no real uh, pre-conference play. It was all conference play. And, um, even Shriner had, you know, like three or four of their conference games canceled. So, you know, tough season, tough year um, for the guys out in Kerrville. But um, I I have faith in Coach E and what he's building there at Shriner. And um, it'll be interesting to talk with him on the next show and see what he has to say about the season and what we can look forward to next year with the Mountaineers. Yeah, I mean, really hoping that a lot of these uh, vaccines, as more it becomes more readily available to everybody, you know, I hope that it helps with the whole herd immunity thing. Everybody can stay healthy and things can slowly get back to normal, at least in the sports world, if not so much in our own lives. Yeah. I mean, the sports is just an escape for everybody. And really, it's a promising sign to – you know, I, I don't agree with the whole lifting the mask thing, the mask mandate for Texas. I thought it was a little too early, but I mean, it is a good sign. And I do see, you know, where the, where the government, where the governor is trying to go with this. You know, it is a, a good feeling to see that, you know, things are slowly getting back to normal, slow and steady. And, you know, Jerry Jones has already announced that at the start of the football season, he's allowing full attendance. The Texas Rangers have come out saying they're allowing full attendance. So, you know, hopefully the these COVID numbers, not only in San Antonio, but around Texas and slowly starting around the nation, start to go down and stay at a decline and we don't have another surge. And people, you know, these vaccines end up do working and helping people stay safe. I mean, having it as a preventative vaccine more than a curable vaccine, I mean, you got to – beggars can't be choosers at this point. You know, I got mine not too long ago. I was a little nervous, but – after giving it some thought, you know, talking with you and some other people, you know, the benefits do um, outweigh the risks uh, right now with all these different strains coming on. And at least it gives you some sort of, you know, immune health, you know. Yeah, it's a, I'd encourage anybody that has the chance to get it to definitely do it. Because, I mean, at this point, 
you really have nothing to lose. You're either going to get the virus or you're going to get vaccinated with it. So, I mean, you can only escape it for so long. And, you know, probably all of us have been exposed at least at this point. So, um, yeah, here's to hoping that next year's better for the SCAC and um, it'll be interesting to make our way um, around the league in this coach's corner segment um, and see what these guys have to say about the season and what we can expect for next year. So um, look for that coming up. Um, and if you haven't seen it on Facebook, um, we are doing a tournament bracket challenge as a podcast here at 94 feet. Um if you want to be a part of it, the link to the uh, brackets is on ESPN. Um, we posted it on the Facebook page, um, the 94 Feet and Beyond with your host Sam Berg Facebook page. Um, has a link to the tournament brackets, and then it also has uh, the link to my Venmo account. Um, it's a $20 entry fee to uh, play with us, and then also... If you do end up winning, um, you can be a guest on the show and we'll talk about topics of your choosing um, alongside me and Joe. So if you're interested, get your entries in. I think the latest you can do it is Thursday. So get them in and uh, let's have fun watching this March Madness this year, especially since we didn't get it last year. Um, Joe, any closing thoughts before we end this thing? Uh, you know, uh, I don't think we touched up uh, real quick on uh, the under uh, the Dark Horse team. Uh, the Joe Biden-led uh, oh, vaccines uh, with, you know, star point guard and shooting guard of Pfizer and Moderna with the two Johnsons down low. So, you know, really watch out for them to make some noise out there. Yeah, you could be hearing from them in the postseason, and you could also be hearing from that uh, coronavirus team. So look for them to repeat um, as champions again this year. Hopefully not, but they might. Um, Well, as always, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. This has been 94 Feet and Beyond, and for Sam Berg and Joe Martinez, This is the Boys of the Feet signing off.